Welcome to the Mindful Literacy Podcast. This podcast is for teachers and parents who want to gain knowledge, perspective, and inspiration in the areas of literacy education and special education. Episode topics tend to focus on dyslexia, ADHD, literacy education, and mindful teaching. This podcast was created to build awareness for our nonprofit, Mindful Literacy Columbus. Check out the show notes to learn more and to get involved. Welcome to the Mindful Literacy Podcast this week. I am sitting with Marcy Raymar from Nationwide Children's Hospital. She's the Community Education Director, and I'm really excited to talk to Marcy. She um, reached out a few weeks ago asking um, if I would help promote the Spark Columbus program, and so she's going to talk about it today on this podcast episode. Welcome, Marcy. Uh, thank you for having me today, Jessica. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So can you just give a little bit about your role at Nationwide as the Community Education Director? Sure. So um, in that part of my role at Children's, <clears throat> um, basically our education programs and outreach that um, are for the general public um, come under my division and we work on those. So we do everything from um, in-home programs to conferences to webinars. Um, you name it, we try to do it, um, both um, from a primary prevention and a secondary prevention viewpoint. So SPARK stands for Supporting Partnerships to Assure Ready Kids. There you go. Supporting Partnerships to Assure Ready Kids. Okay. okay. In Columbus. So is this a program that's nationwide because it says Spark Columbus? Yeah, well, it is certainly statewide. Oh, so okay. It, yeah, the program started through the Sisters of Charity in Canton, Ohio. Um, and they started in Canton and then in a small rural area. And um, they did a lot of research behind it, actually working with Kent State University, realized it really worked. And then over time, other groups throughout Ohio have gotten involved. So everyone that does Spark does it the exact same way, a lot of fidelity behind the program, but different groups champion it for different parts of the state. How did Nationwide choose Spark? Well, as part of our Healthy Neighborhoods, Healthy Families, um, place-based initiative, we call it HNHF, um, we knew we wanted to do some work in kindergarten readiness so actually, one of our researchers and vice presidents, he's a physician, Dr. Kelly Kelleher, started reaching, um, researching what some of those options could be. And he found Spark. He came to me, asked me what I thought of it. I looked at it as well. And I said, this looks like exactly the kind of program we're looking for. Um, and it was really just a coincidence that it emanated out of Canton. Awesome. So can you just describe what the program is and sure. you know yeah. what does it cost and how do people enroll in spark sure it's very easy so um spark is um, a very intentional program to help children get ready for kindergarten it includes both literacy and numeracy but what we're really doing is building that base for the child um, we don't teach the test it's really um 
um, building that educational base so they can move forward. And Spark isn't just for the child. We work with the family. So our teachers are called parent partners. They go into the home um, and they work with the child and then whoever their learning advocate is. It could be a guardian, could be a grandparent, could be a parent. It really, different families are different and it varies and it's all good with us. So Spark actually has um, 12 actual lessons that we do with the families but we know based on the research you have to get through eight of the lessons for the program to work if you can't get through that many we're not going to have the outcomes we're looking for so um, we do some pre-interviews with the families um, and before the program ever starts we do two pre-tests when the family finishes the program we do two post-tests so how the child does on the, the literacy test is um, um, ready to read, I think is the name of it. I, and the numeracy test is the PENS, PEN, P-E-N-S. So we do that before they start the program. We do that when the program is over. And that's how we know how we've done on the program. That's how we measure outcomes. So even though it is a very prescriptive curriculum, within that curriculum, there is the ability, and we do this for every child, to have individual learning goals and individual learning plans. So if you have a child that needs more support in an area, we can do that in the program specifically for that child to help them get where they need to go. The program is free. We do not charge. Um, Nationwide Children's Hospital, we are doing it in two neighborhoods. We're doing it on the south side of Columbus, which is zip codes 43205, 43206, and 43207. We are also doing it in Linden, which is zip codes 43211 and 43224. Okay, so in order to enroll in this program, you need to live in one of those five zip codes. Well, for us, yes. To work with Nationwide Children, yes. However, okay. there are other groups in Columbus that are handling other zip codes. The Y oh. handles some zip codes. Action for Children handles some zip codes. And um, Home for Families handles some zip codes. So what happens is if I get referrals, if we get referrals here at Children's, go to other zip codes, we just send them to our partners to handle. So um, those groups are handling Franklin County. Okay. And who are the, well, I say teachers. Is that the right, are there teachers the, that go into the? Yeah, um, we call them, we call them parent partners because they're really partners. working with the parents. But yes, okay. they are teachers. They are all certified early childhood educators is who we hire to do this. Um, and they very work with the family based on their schedule for where, mm -hmm. um, when they're going to get together to do these lessons. So um, the, the program initially was all in person. And then guess what happened? COVID. COVID. <laughs> so we had to very quickly pivot, rewrite lesson plans so they could be done virtually, um, and work with our families um, on the virtual technology so that we could continue to teach them. After having done it virtually and looking at the data, we know that it works both ways. 
So there's really no um, it, there's really no st- statistical significance in the difference. So now we are able to give family choices. So if a family says they want to do the program in person, we do it in person. If they say they want to do it virtually, we can do it virtually. The nice thing is if you end up having visits and maybe there's a snow day and no one can get, you know, it's just too hard to drive and people are at home, we could switch that visit to virtual now that we know how to do it and work with the family. Yeah, that's great. we, We just really try to meet people where they are, make this work for them. There are certain things people need to do. You have to go to your visits. The child and that child advocate need to be there. Um, We can't do it with the child alone. It doesn't work. Every time we are at that home um, um, or dropping things off, they are getting lots and lots of materials with every visit. There's always getting a book. um, And then different lessons have different things that go with them. It might be paints. It might be crayons. It might be markers. It might be clay. It might be glue, you know, scissors. Um, So we try to look at, we have gross motor activities, um, 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 small motor activities, um, lots of different things. Um, but throughout the program, we really, um, really work to teach and work with the families in ways that really engage. And then they're left for things to do while we're gone. So um, they can continue as a family to work on the lessons and to work on the skills. Yeah, the practice, the tools that the, the kids are learning. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's and we great. leave the things in the home so they have them. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, so eight to 12, le- eight lessons minimum, but oh, there's 12 okay. total. Do people usually do this once a week or do they spread it out beyond yeah. 12 weeks? Yeah, how, well, it how depends on when you start the program. So, you know, if you're starting the program now with a new cohort, you know, you can do it once a month and get all your lessons in, right? But if you're starting later in the year, we cannot take anyone um, after the end of the year because we cannot get all the lessons in in a meaningful way. So we Mm -hmm. have to get everyone enrolled for this cohort by the end of this year. But if someone starts in um, June or July, they have more time to get the lessons in than someone starts in November. So we really work with the family to schedule that to make it work for everybody. That's awesome. Okay, so about once a month, unless they register later in the fall, then you can do it more frequently to get them in. Correct. And you know, and we have, um, 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 you know, sometimes family something's happened, so we need to bump a lesson. We get that. Sure. Life happens. Yes, especially with these preschoolers. Yeah. (laughs) And and they're like colds and. All of the things. Absolutely. Okay. So I have a few more questions. One, I'm kind of, I think I had, I actually have a lot of questions. So let me just gather my thoughts. Um, The big thing was the frequency, but I guess I'm also thinking about this from the perspective of a lot of our listeners are teachers and teachers in training. So Mm -hmm. I was like, Ooh, you're, you're hiring parent partners who are certified in early education. Yeah, I'm, I know. I'm, I know people <laughs> who are listening to this podcast. So, are you actively hiring for parent partners? Is actually, it full time, part time? What's it look you like? You know, actually, I am. Um, our program has grown, so I actually have um, one to two open positions right now that we're interviewing for. 
um, we have one full-time position and one part-time position um, that we're actively interviewing for. So where people are interested, um, they are welcome to apply if someone just wants to hear more about it without quite going through that formal application process. Um, they are welcome to email me um, at marcy.ramar at nationwidechildrens.org um, um, or call our main line at 614-355-0662. Um, always happy to talk to people, but we do look for people with that early childhood education background. Um, we have hired some kindergarten and first grade teachers and they do excellent as well. Mm -hmm. But it's understanding that early childhood development mm -hmm. um, really makes a huge difference and really understanding what's going on with those children developmentally. That is why it is a different um, degree in college. Yeah, absolutely. And I even think um, a lot of our special education degrees are pre-K through 12 Correct. or pre-K through that pre the the pre-K, to have that pre-K on your license requires right. a separate curriculum. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting you talk about special education because we're seeing that uh, more and more of our children, and, and this is true nationally, are mm -hmm. um, um, victims of trauma. Um, and so we really need to understand trauma-informed care mm -hmm. and how to listen to those children and how to help those children. Um, in Spark, we also have something very interesting that most programs do not. Um, it is if a family, if there's something going on with a child that a parent just doesn't think is quite on target, and parents do know their children best, and we really believe that. Or if one of our parent partners sees something that they're watching, and maybe something developmentally just isn't happening as it should. Um, they can talk to the parent about that. And if both agrees, we actually have a group that meets monthly. It's a panel of professionals um, who work with young children. Um, everything from educators to speech language pathologists to OTs, PTs, physicians, nurses. And um, the information about that child can be presented by the teacher. And that group will give input into oh, wow. ideas. And sometimes they're looking for is there a different strategy I could use in working with this child or something else I should be asking or thinking about? Oftentimes it's both the parent and the teacher think the child is needing referrals for other services. Um, and so um, that information on what is recommended and typically um, it's not one recommendation, there are choices. And so we really like giving parents choices where there are good choices and so um, that group of experts, yes, there are people from Nationwide Children's on it, but there are people from lots of different really excellent organizations on that to give that input and to give parents choices where choices exist. And so we've been able to get some children into services earlier than they would otherwise. For example, I just remember one child who was not speaking clearly at all. And even the parents oftentimes could not understand the child. And, you know, as a teacher, you really don't know if it's speech, language, or hearing at that point. So um, um, the parent had had multiple appointments for hearing and not shown up. Things got busy. And so with the help of the teacher, they got another appointment. 
and that teacher was really able to remind them about it and encourage them to go. And they went and they found out that it was a hearing problem and that was causing the speech problem. So, you know, after, um, I think the child needed adenoids, tonsils, ear tubes, it's just kind of everything. It was amazing how after that happened and that child started healing, how quickly their language picked up. You know, four is late for that to happen, Mm -hmm. but five or six is even later. Mm -hmm. So to catch these things early or to give um, children um, help in early intervention um, that they're not getting does nothing but help prepare them for the future. So we're very open to that. We have children that are only in Spark and do not go to any other kind of childcare or pre-K. We have children that are in pre-K programs um, as well. It's all good for us. These children need supports. The more hands they can get around them, the better. So we do not claim that Spark is the end all for everybody or that people should only do Spark and nothing else. We want these young people to get as many services as they can or as many services as their parents want them to have to help prepare them for a future. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it, it's a, I really believe in this program. It is a fabulous program. Now, the researcher in me is thinking, I'm wondering if, you, if you've followed any of the students through, that, through kindergarten to see if there has been a difference in the kids who do Spark versus kids who don't do Spark. Yeah, there actually has been. I have not done that research. Um, and the research is done by Dr. Kenny at Kent State University. Uh-huh. Um, and he's written a couple of papers on it um, that have been in um, um, uh, peer-reviewed journals. Oh, cool. But um, the last research I saw said that the Spark kids were outperforming their Spark partners at least through seventh grade. Whoa. They're, non- they're non-Spark peers, I'm sorry. The Spark yeah, yeah. kids were outperforming their non-Spark peers um, at least through seventh grade. So, um, that's that really so powerful in 12 that, lessons. Right. And that was some, uh, well, but remember, we're not only getting these kids ready, we're helping parents know how to be their child's teacher mm-hmm. and how to just by modeling behavior. Cause at the beginning of the program, I'll be honest with you, the teachers are doing a lot by the end of the program, the parents are doing a lot of it. And so that's, to me, that is a part of the program that makes this sustain because the parents are getting the tools they need to continue to work with their child. Because honestly, the parent is that child's first and forever teacher, not us. Yes. And the first advocate. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any final thoughts? I do. I have to tell you something that was one of the hardest things for my teachers. And we found out the first year and I was totally surprised by it, but so excited about it. So you have this cohort of kids and you really get to know them and you get to care about them. They're four-year-olds. How can you not adore a four-year-old? And it was time to go to kindergarten. And they were like, oh my gosh, they're going to kindergarten. Are they going to be okay? Are they going to like the teacher? Is it going to be a good experience? So, um, we said, well, I'll tell you what, let's um, put together an activity sheet or a worksheet, or I don't remember exactly what it was, and let's send it to them, you know, about, you're in kindergarten, yay, you know, you know, tell us a little something about kindergarten. And they came back to us, and the kids were so happy. They loved their teacher, they loved where they were, and at that point, my teachers could go, okay, we're fine. They're handed off fine. 
And so one of the things I love about my teachers is they care so much about these children and families. They are doing this work because they really believe in it and they want to make a difference. And what I tell them is how many people in their lifetime can say they've made that kind of difference um, in a child's life, Um, a child that is not their own. Yeah. And long lasting, a long lasting difference. And also in the parents' lives, I think, you know, before, before we started recording this, we were talking about preschool age kids and how, I mean, even if you have training in the background and experience in raising kids, every kid is so different and and that age is very special and it's also equally as challenging. So to have someone there to kind of have a different, you know, outside perspective and coach you through it. I, I would want that. <laughs> I mean, it is. Um, and they're very non-judgmental, you know, yeah. um, my teachers, they meet people where they are. Um, they judge nothing. Cause you know yeah. what? The bottom line is to invite someone into your home is a big deal. You're inviting mm-hmm. a stranger into your home. That is a huge deal. So we need to understand that um, because, you know, would you invite just anyone into your home? I certainly wouldn't. So, you know, and that's being um, a good steward of your family. So, you know, we really are honored to do this work um, and humbled that these families trust us and are willing to work with us. Absolutely. We have had families um, connect. I've had um, teachers here from families like years later um, we had one family move to Florida, probably more than one, but one that I can think of. And um, she was having some trouble with something in the district. And so she called this particular teacher um, and said, I know you're not my child's teacher anymore, but do you have any advice for this? Do you have any like, things I should be asking? So she sat and talked to her. And to me, that is the highest compliment, that you've made a connection that they want to circle back with you. That's really when you know you've done a great job. Absolutely. So traditionally, when you talk about having certified teachers be the parent partners, mm-hmm. um, we're not we're not trained to go in home. So if a if a teacher is interested in a role with you in mm-hmm. Spark, what mm-hmm. additional training do you provide them to get them ready for the program? Well, they get everything. I mean, um, the first year is they're working with families, but it's pretty all training because you need to learn the curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's actually an initial training that really goes everything. We keep a lot of data um, and we keep it in a centralized system. So um, it's everything about how to do that intake, um, how to do home visits. And luckily at education, um, in, in children's, I'm sorry, luckily at children's, we have tons and tons of education going on here for our employees. And so um, they can get um, information on trauma-informed care, education on that, education on diversity and inclusion. You know, we have a home care department. So when COVID hit and I wanted to get more information about what, what, what was going on and how we were going to handle some of this, I just went to our director of home care and say, how are you doing this with your families? Because we want to follow suit with what you're doing. So being a very big institution, we don't have to know everything at Spark. We have lots of people to go to who will help us out. And it's very one team here. So we do that all the time. People come to us all the time for things that are our expertise. Um, and that's just how we function. 
So yes, we totally prepare people for everything. But it's amazing how many teachers, although they may not be um, done a lot of home visits, how many have gone to a student's home at some time? Um, I, I'm always surprised when I interview. It may not have been a big part of their job, but we've had teachers say, well, um, we've just had families that would not come to parent-teacher nights. So this is what I did. I made appointments and I went to them. So um, teachers have a huge pocket full of talents, tri tricks and talents. Um, they never cease to amaze me. Um, and I think everyone can think back to who those teachers were you really remember. And those were the teachers that made learning fun, they made it relative, and they made it exciting. And so those are the people we really try to hire. Awesome. Well, Marcy, thank you so much for sharing about Spark. I'm really excited about this program and even just knowing about it to refer to people and to refer um, teacher candidates to you. And also, I just really enjoyed getting to know you in preparation for this interview. So I hope we stay in touch. Me as well. Oh, I would absolutely love that. I know um, you grew up, you're in my hometown. So yeah. um, I feel like we're kindred spirits. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much and good luck. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. It was a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you for listening to the Mindful Literacy Podcast. We are so grateful to have you as part of our community. If you enjoy this podcast, please follow, download, and share this episode. You can also like, tag, and follow Mindful Literacy Columbus on Facebook, mindful.literacy.columbus, and on Instagram, at mindful.literacy.practice. We love creating these episodes and hearing from you. May you be inspired and energized and share this love with those in your care. Until next time, may you be happy, healthy, and at peace.